Welcome to the Jerry T Podcast. Joined this week by Dave Shields first. Uh, we're going to have a bonus episode in a couple days or so, so that'll be fun. Uh, but this one, we're talking strictly magic business. We have SEG Dallas this weekend, uh, standard and modern events. We have a BNR announcement that we're going to talk about for all of five seconds, I'm sure. But the, the biggest thing, Dave, is that, you know, I, I carry a notebook, right? We got a lot in the notebook. So I do have a lot in the notebook, but a thing happened a couple of days ago that was somewhat alarming where uh, my cats threw up and decided to throw up all over my notebook with all the decks I've been working on for this weekend. Oh man, that's a different type of full than I was imagining. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a bad omen, I think. Cat was just so disgusted by the decks that I was building, just threw up all over it. So Too many green cards. Yeah, yeah, there have been a lot of green cards, I guess. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that omen means anything or not. Maybe it's lucky vomit. Who knows? But yeah, that's well, it. That's that's all the anecdote I have for this week. So is in the trash? Was it salvageable or what was so, the damage? So it's actually like this this pretty nice notebook. Actually, I <laughs> I I have a picture of like the cat vomit on it. It was a lot too. Um. But I, I didn't feel comfortable, like, posting it anywhere. Like, I didn't post it in Discord. I certainly didn't tweet about it or whatever, because it's like, who, who the hell wants to see, like, cat vomit on their timeline or whatever? But it was just so funny to me. Um, But it's it's got, like, this nice, you know, like, padded cover. It's more like a journal than a notebook, really. And okay. honestly, I, th- I think Jason Ford might have given this to me a while ago. Feels I'm not like sure, a Jason though. thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Jason is a very like thoughtful person and has given me some of like the weirdest, but most thoughtful gifts ever. Dude, just the best gifts. And I'm so jealous every time. And I'm also, I get angry because I'm like, now I don't, I can't return this. I do not know how to reciprocate. Yeah, exactly. You never can. Right. And it it has nothing to do with like the thoughtfulness of it from my side. Like I desperately want to, I just don't know how to the same way. He's he's more of a student of other people, I think, than really like sharing his own stuff, you know? So it's like he'll he'll get like a random thought in his mind and he'll ask you about it and like probe a little bit deeper and everything. Uh, so it, it, it just feels like he knows so much more about you than you do about him. Yeah. But uh, BNR announcements, no changes. And all they wrote with it is in keeping with our goal, of greater consistency across our formats, we are making no changes to any formats. Dave, what the hell does that mean? I I, I think it means they forgot there was a BNR announcement and they just <laughs> scrambled and no. threw it together. <laughs> no, that... So, like, honestly, part of me loves it because I think, like, all of the formats are, like, there's nothing clear and obvious that needs to be addressed. That being said, like, not providing more transparency given the, like, previous track record and the trend in that direction that we've seen is a little bit disappointing. Okay. But what does goal of greater consistency across our formats? What does that mean? Um, I, yeah, no, you got me. I have no idea. It's not English. And it's like, wouldn't you not want consistency across formats? Well, okay. So here's, here's the thing. Like I, I don't remember using them using this exact verbiage anywhere else so it's like is this a goal that we know about 
I don't even know. But my my like the only logical conclusion I could come to this is like some RCQ type of things have happened. Like pioneer RCs have happened. And then there's supposed to be like the Atlanta pioneer RC happening. And it's just like, maybe they don't want to do BNR in the formats, like in the middle of a format or whatever. But, oh, and I agree with the decision, but like the explanation is where there's some amount of challenge. Yes, I agree. And it's like, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know. I I want to say read in between the lines, but there's literally only one line. So, yeah, you know. uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get it overall. I I was actually kind of hoping that there was going to be a, a BNR change, and it was just going to be like, yeah, we have two days to figure out modern before Dallas. I would have liked that a lot, actually. Oh, I would have loved it. And for whatever it's worth, just like selfishly, I was rooting for changes. Um, I thought it was pretty unlikely there was anything significant. I thought the range was going to be like they were going to unban some cards that don't matter or this. Um, okay. But I'm even reading it again now. Our goal of greater consistency across our formats. Our formats, too, is a pretty weird phrase in general as well. It's like possessive. I don't know. I don't get it. I, I agree that it is kind of strange. But that one doesn't strike me as like threatening. It's just like you start a sentence with our goal and then you kind of finish it off with like our format. Like yeah. it makes sense that it like all of the possessives are referring to them in that instance. So I don't know. Yeah. I didn't read too much into the, into that phrasing so much as like our goal of greater consistency. It's like, yeah, I, this is where I feel like two or three sentences would have like been like, a big step in the right direction and like not taking more than two minutes of just like, we're keeping a close eye on things. We're paying attention at this time. There's nothing big enough for us to do anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This feels like corporate jargon. I I agree. And I also don't know that they could say like, you know, based on the numbers, there's, there's nothing we should do or whatever like that. That might just be incorrect. Which is well, maybe why they went with this like consistency angle. I, I honestly don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. To me. They don't even have to say that. They could just say we're watching. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been fine with that. We're, we're watching, not doing anything right now. Yeah. You know? And like, if we're being honest, like there's a pretty good amount of movement in all of the formats right now. So while like, I don't necessarily love where some of them are at, they are certainly not like stale or solved or anything like that. Well, I will say this. So, been playing a lot of modern, a little bit of standard, and there are things like the creativity versus scam matchup, and like the Omnath versus scam matchup, and like those were things that I was very much trying to tackle now, and or like in recent weeks or whatever, and now we have reached a point where we have an Omnath deck that has like the best scam matchup I've seen in quite a long time and so if if that is sort of the reason for this BNR just like oh well actually like Omnath is kind of busted now so like maybe scam's not a big deal yeah then I'd be I'd be okay with that logic yeah. too but I don't know and we so, so uh, I'm gonna take a quick story time on that exact point please do so I I think we had a conversation like six or eight weeks ago of if you played a tournament where just 50% of the field was scam, what would you play? And we didn't have a good answer. And I yeah. think a lot of what you're saying is we have a clear answer now. 
there is definitely something that would crush that field. So um, I had a relatively relaxed weekend and I had a few friends over on Saturday and we played in the Magic Online showcase and played some paper magic on the side in between rounds. Oh, wow. So Snook came over and he's a black red aficionado. He's, and he's been he's, he's been, a gamer. He's a Tarmogoyf gamer. Listen, he's got a lot of Rakdos cards, right? He pulls like four or five different deck boxes out of his backpack. They're just all full of black red cards, all different formats, everything. That's just all he does. Um, but super long story short, he's been kicking my butt with scam against a whole bunch of different matchups for a while now. We played maybe eight or ten games of this uh, Omnath against scam matchup, and. I think he might have won one of them, and he is—he is—he's off the deep end. He's, he's been texting me. He's a broken me. man. Oh, broken he's, man. He's been messaging me the most crazy ideas to try to figure out what's the craziest card he can add to his scam deck to c- try to fix the matchup. And I'm like, man, I—you're I, I, really off the deep end. I don't think it's that bad if you just load up on like bowmasters and shieldreds. Yep. And we already went there and like, listen, he's looking for like a magic bullet. And like, I just don't think that fundamentally that exists. Yeah. Yeah. Shoes on the other foot now, man. We've been doing that for like the last six months for your ass. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Where's our magic bullet? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got like storm breath dragon. He's got like, it's got protection from white. And I'm like, I'll just fury that man. Yeah. But cool. Fun times, and it, it's I, I really have enjoyed seeing it, especially like, you know, I think I got like three or four different messages from him, like spaced four hours apart over the last two days. And is, has he has he sent you a picture of Phyrexian Crusader yet? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I've yep. gotten that one a few times already. <laughs> yeah, I think we just opened up Gather and searched pro white, pro yep. red, right? We we're just looking for everything. So You're like, boom, there it is. In fact, yeah. let's go. Yeah. I'm like, yo, how many turn clock is that? Yeah. yeah. So... Um, but I, I think it's it's refreshing to see it took it took probably longer than it should have. But um, I and I think there's a few different iterations of this Omnath deck that all beat up on Scam pretty well. Um, all right. So for those for those not in the know, here's what happened. We we recorded this episode last week. Uh, we recorded on Monday, right? Yep. Last week we were early. Yeah. And I had this list where I I was basically like, look, Beanstalk is great. You can play it alongside the One Ring, but I think we can do better. I think we can make the Beanstalks better somehow. And I went about trying to find a way to do that. It's like, you know, find find more Beanstalks or whatever. So I was playing No Rings, Expressive Iteration. Uh, basically got to a point where I was like, this is satisfactory, you know, and kind of stopped there. And then on Wednesday, Aspiring Spike, Start streaming on Twitch. He's uh, streaming this this Bant Cascade deck that is only cascading into Beanstalks. And I'd like thought about this before and I was just like, I don't know if this is good enough. So like I, I wrote it out but never actually tried it, you know? And then watched him play through a couple leagues and was like, this is not bad, but he had a bunch of time warpy type of stuff and uh, was, was basically you know, just banned, right? And I was like, well, I, I want to play Fury because, like, if you're going to play Beanstalk, you sort of need things to trigger it for zero mana, right? Yeah. And I I went, you know, to work trying to build this deck with Fury and incorporating some red cards and, like, always cascading into Beanstalk, right? Which means, like, playing Violent Outburst, Arden Plea, and, like, I had a list that looked okay. Whatever, it was going to try it. Next day, 
a Sparring Spike on Twitch. Now has Red in his deck and also has Bloodbraid Elf. And I don't know, for whatever reason, like even when that card shows up in Rhinos occasionally, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that existed. Right? And so whenever I sit down to like build Cascade decks, I'm always looking at like the three mana options that are available and I always forget about Bloodbraid. And this happened in this instance too. And I was like, okay, this actually looks really good now. So uh, he streamed that over the next few days, played that in the showcase. I certainly took a lot of inspiration from him, but like built my own version of the deck and like uh, showed off like version two to you basically. And then, I don't know, you just do this thing where you like, you don't respond for two days and then you're like, I'm four on the showcase thing with this. Yeah. It's like, okay, I wish we would have talked in between then and now, you know, but whatever. <laughs> well, not a lot happened in between those two events, right? I just, I go back and get caught up in real life and the showcase starts and I'm like, I got to go. I got to register a deck. Yeah, but it's like, uh, we could, we could like talk about stuff beforehand, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Communication is a gap still that we're continuing to address. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, I, I send off this message into the ether. I just assume that you don't care, but apparently... You know, you did see it and you were thinking about it to some degree. I just thought, you know, maybe we could like talk about the list at all. It's just, I don't know. It's it's weird for me to like send off a deck list and then have someone just be like, oh, this is the biggest tournament I've played in a month or whatever. I'll just copy this sight unseen, not ask any questions, you know? Honestly, and I, I tried to change a card or two. I, I just think the list was great. It was very clean. Um, And it, it, the the place that Spike ended up landing and this are like weirdly close. Uh, so he was, he was 3-0 and then he lost to a mirror and then something else. I don't remember what it might've been scam actually. Uh, but I, I don't remember like the specifics about his list. Like basically, so like blood Braid has these issues where, you know, if you're playing things like Teferi or whatever, occasionally you don't cascade into the thing that you want to hit most of the time, which is Beanstalk. Well, and, Shard this agent and then Beanstalk, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, dude, I'm I'm aiming real low here. You know, I'm, I'm just like, look, we get the beans, we get beans number two in play, like we're off to the races, right? Yep. Uh and his list still had like four Teferis, and he had like a Nissa, a three drop Nissa. And it's like, I, I get it, but I don't really like this stuff. So like I didn't have the Nissa, and I think the list I sent you only had one Teferi. I have two Teferis now. Yeah, you had one main, one board. Okay, yeah, I just have both of them main now. Yep. And I think the big deviation from your list in Spikes is, yeah, he has more Teferis and he does not have the full four Omnath. And at one point, he only had one Omnath. I think he's up to two. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he only played one in the showcase. And it's like, I, I get it because certainly playing the deck, you do feel glutted on fours. Omnath is sort of more of a five drop, but obviously, you know, you're you're fine just casting that thing on four if you have it. Um, But I just, I want the the pitch numbers to line up well. You know? Yep. Clean and consistent. That's a typical Jerry T deck list. Yeah. So uh I I have posted this list in our Discord and everything. And as Dallas gets closer and closer, like I will post the list that I'm registering in those events too and everything. So like I don't know how much is gonna change in the next couple of days or not, but I'll I'll certainly let people know. Yeah. And I'm very much, I, I would be borderline close to locking this in right now. Um, there's, I think, quite a few sideboard slots in the likes to still figure out. I am a little bit anxious and nervous that this is like 
blowing up and it seems like the thing everyone's talking about right now and there's probably going to be some sort of arms race to try to go over the top of each other which um i have a few ideas on how to do and i think you're a little ahead of other folks but people are catching on with how good narset kind of is right now in the format in general you know i this is like kind of true but also kind of not because if you look at the decks that people are actually like registering in the tournaments they're still playing like Ren and Six and yeah. not cascading and everything. So it's like, I do think that there's a lot of talk and a lot of hype, but I think a lot of people are not buying into it. Sure. So I and- do want to, I want to temper that a lot because there are a lot of ways that you could sort of get ahead of yourself in that arms race where a lot of my lists have had like a main deck force of negation strictly for mirror match considerations. And I just don't think that's where you need to be. Yeah. And I sent you a couple of screenshots from my losses in the showcase. I also started like four or five and oh, and then lost two in a row. And one of them was to a pseudo mirror match, but they were much more bant and very much went over the top of me. And this, is, this is Tristan. This is Tristan. Yes. And he played uh, turn two Beanstalk in game two. I'm on the play and I'm licking my chops, untapping with two Narsets in my hand. And he just commandeers that thing. And I'm just like, what the hell well that's arms race right there because yeah. yeah he was he was doing more so of what spike was doing on wednesday with the bant list where he had like force of negations and commandeers main deck and stuff and it's like obviously that is a place you can do or a place you can go if you expect only things like mirrors and tron and you know like other cascade decks or whatever but I've I've played around with those lists and i you know you just get your ass kicked by by scam and like whatever sort of like creature aggro decks are out there and whatnot. So I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah. I Listen, I think I'm really sold on Fury. And even before we got to the Cascade versions, like that was a card people have been getting more aggressive about cutting. And I, I just, I can't really get fully behind it. And it, it's been really good for me. And that's kind of where I want to be. So um, playing a version of Omnath without Fury in it's kind of off the table for me. Agreed. And I've certainly looked at, like, okay, can we play, you know, Force of Negation Commandeer, potentially, not necessarily all main deck, but, you know, keep the blue card count high enough, not play Bloodbraid Elf, and do the sort of things that I was looking at before, like Ardently Violent Outburst, and it's like, yeah, that's possible, but that's just, like, such a mopey hedge, you know? Yeah. So, I I think my, my list is not changed much since the one that you played in the showcase and it's like this is after five days or whatever which is kind of weird yeah you have a few things that i think are probably noteworthy we continue to be lower on teferi than everybody else but we're not totally off of it you have a force of vigor main deck which i think lines up really well and i really want to don't anymore for the record i think that's where the teferi came from okay and that would that would make sense like listen trying to get more free spells into the deck is just it just makes sense right so like can you support a subtlety? It doesn't have to trigger being stock. Like you don't need more of that. You have enough gas. I would wanted more cards that like were catch up mechanisms or help my slower hands. So yeah. force no, of negation, you, you, subtlety, you force of vigor die. all makes sense. You just need to not die. Exactly. And I alluded to you to this before we jumped on of like one of my losses was I had, I heard you in my ear telling me after I lost a game where I didn't play a fury on turn two to kill like an X two creature because I wanted to wait till turn three when I could play a Sardis agent and draw a card and it cost me the game. Okay. 
And all I could hear was you telling me, just don't die, just don't die, just don't die. <laughs> Another very consistent thing about like the decks that I build in a lot of instances. Yeah. Well, and it helps with this where you have so much card like volume and like material later on that like you can afford to like use all of your gas early to not die and you have so many good top decks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it depends on the matchup, but it's like you're also picking up a card off off the beanstalk when you cascade on three plus your draw step plus like the next turn. And it's just like, what are the odds that you need those extra cards right there? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was a measly one two prowess, man. I was playing against like blue red. Oh, Breach. no. Yeah. You just, like stop those decks always like the prowess decks infect. Anything like that, just stop them from getting traction. You'll yeah. win eventually. They'll I run know. out of gas. Listen, like, listen, the second he untapped, I was like, should have done it. I'm going to regret that. Yeah. And then you take four or whatever. And it's like, eh. yeah. Um, but you also have the one time warp, which I don't know if you're still on or not and has been good, but I don't know that it really solves the problems the deck has. So that's a slot I'd love to play around with a little bit. I don't have it currently. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I mostly agree with all of that. It's just like, makes it trivial to actually turn the corner on like turn six, but it's never a necessity. Yeah. I think if you want to fight the arms races of the mirror, that would be the only real argument, strong argument to get time warp in there from my perspective. But like, yeah. um, yeah, I feel like if that's the angle we're going to come from, I'd almost rather have the force of vigor. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, I, and they're serving different roles, right? Because like Time Warp can do stuff against like Tron or any of the Cascade decks or whatever, where you know maybe you getting like an extra attack for seven in actually wins you the game or whatever. Sure. But, yeah, and then we have an Eagles in the North, which I've never cast, whereas Lauren revealed I cast a good amount. So that's a, yes. a slot where I wonder should that just be the twenty third land? Do we really need the extra white card for Solitudes? Maybe I don't know. I, I, I pitch it enough that I think it is worth it. Well, if it's in your hand, that's basically all it does. That's like the that's the ceiling for it, right? Well, I mean, it also fixes your mana, you know, but like, yeah, yeah if, if you have like four lands in that thing, obviously it's it's not doing a whole lot, you know? Yeah. But yep. I yeah, again, just like keeping the pitch card count up and. You know, say you have that instead of a fetch land, it means that you get to pitch that instead of like the Omnath that maybe you need instead or whatever. And I, I think that that's valuable. So, yep. I don't really get the not playing the full four Omnaths personally. Doesn't. Uh, after playing with like four and four Bloodbraid Elves, like that is a lot of four drops. Yeah. To the point where I could see cutting a blood braid for like a violent outburst. And at that point, it's like, well, maybe Omnath is, is the card that we're supposed to be cutting. I don't know. But I think could it's fine. It. It's fine either way. Um, And then sideboard is where I think there's the most opportunity. Yes. Because and there's been very little exploration in the sideboard from everybody else from what I've seen. I agree. And I, I think that that will make or break our tournament. Uh, assuming that we end up playing this deck. So people have suggested all sorts of weird things. And like, certainly these are things that I thought about too, where it's like, oh, against burn, we can just side out Beanstalk and board into core firewalkers or whatever and only cas cascade into those things. And while yes, that is technically true, like, is that worth the slots 
for that matchup or, you know, whatever other matchup where it's like, oh, I could only cascade into Drannith Magistrates or whatever, right? And I I took a different approach to it where, you know, Chalice of the Void in your Cascade deck is is kind of weird, but I couldn't think of a scenario where against something like Rhinos, I wouldn't want to have one Chalice of the Void in my deck to cascade into. Like, I, I think in most situations against Rhinos, if you just get two Beanstalks into play, you're you're still pretty good against them. But it's like the opportunity cost of just like playing one Chalice in your sideboard, adding that to the package of the Beanstalks. Maybe maybe cutting one Beanstalk, I guess, but like. You know, just, I don't know, maybe you shardless on the play and hit Chalice instead of Beanstalk against Rhinos. And I got to imagine that's better than just hitting your Beanstalk, right? Yeah, and I don't think it ever changes your decision-making. So if, like, if we think back to, like, I used to be really against playing different creatures and creativity because it made your decision tree, like, so much more complex. Yeah, no, it's and, very similar. And, well, and well, but with this, like, listen, Beanstalk is not, like, having a measurable or tangible impact on the board. So it's very rare where you're, like, committing to a play that's going to like really change how good it is based on what you hit yeah um so i i I actually felt fine and we'll we'll get to some of the others but having beanstalk and other potential cascade hits in my deck i thought was way more reasonable after playing with it um and when i went to i played it when i was playing in rcq on sunday in real life i didn't have all the cards from the sideboard so i had to improvise oh no yeah so I had a I had and I uh, I wanted an extra card against Living End, so I played a Chalice of the Void and I played a Lavinia. Okay, and I actually thought it was great. Um, it um, it shuts off their cascades, but still allows us to cascade. Yeah, and could even be potentially reasonable in the mirror. Yeah, no, I I could honestly I could see that. Um, I don't know if you would actually bring in the mirror. That was like, I was asking myself that after I added it into my sideboard and registered of like, would I actually bring this in? Cascading into it when you really want to hit a beanstalk in that spot seems pretty bad, but like, it is a problem that needs to be answered. It's one of those things where like, if it's the first thing that you hit, it's great. But if there's ever a period where you are behind and you need like a beanstalk to catch up or whatever, because, you know, they maybe they have like one or two in play already and they're reaching a point where they can just start hard casting their stuff. Then Lavinia is not what you want to hit. Yep. Then it can get weird. Um, but I think, hey, having one or two of these cards, like, listen, the Rhinos matchup so good. I don't know that you need a ton here, but if Living End is something that you're worried about, then I think that's totally defensible. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that, I guess, like, if you hit Lavinia first, then your Chalice will get countered. And maybe that stinks, but whatever. Yeah, but effectively the same if you had two chalice, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm just using that as like maybe an argument for only playing one and not the other. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's just like I think the spike list has three to four to fairy and like a whole bunch of endurances in the sideboard. So like living end specifically felt like something we were a little light on cards for. No, you're right. I, I definitely agree with that. So. Um, uh, and then and then the, the other Cascader that I think makes total sense and should absolutely be there is the first Alpine Moon. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Alpine Moon was just 
kind of the same thing like with Chalice versus Rhinos or whatever, where if you have a card against Tron that keeps them off of Tron, I think that that is defensible and good and a thing to add into the overall Cascade package. But I would not want to do things like only Cascade into two Alpine Moons against them because eventually they will just remove them and, and kill you. And yep. <laughs> your deck is just not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, one thing is just like a speed bump seemed fine, especially because I don't even think that that matchup is going to necessarily hinge on you getting two beanstalks into play like many of the other matchups do. It's like if you have one, that's kind of good and you can, you know, do stuff with that or whatever. But I don't know. It's like you, you need to keep them off Tron, not be like removing their permanents and drawing cards and keeping parity with them. Yeah, and killing them is going to take long enough that I think going down to zero beanstalk would be a pretty big mistake. Yeah, but I but I think going down to like two and having this, you can draw the Alpine Moon. It's good. Opportunistically cascading into it is fine. It's a speed bump. It's not going to be like a nail in the coffin for them for the matchup, but it it, it can you know be a piece of the puzzle. And then the other one, which I assume is the card that you were missing. Is that accurate? It, it is the card I was missing and yeah. I was waiting to say it because I do think it's the best one. Uh, Inevitable Betrayal, which is the Cascade Bribery. Yes, which which I did get an Ulamog with. Hell yeah. In- uh, so, yeah, the rationale behind this is, is basically Ulamog. It's just like, well, this is one of the most high impact cards that you could possibly hit against Tron. Assuming that their, their deck is built the normal way, I guess. I've seen slightly different lists now with like Golos and, and whatnot. And certainly if you do this to them in game two, what they should probably do is side out Ulamog for game three, uh, which kind of leaves you in a weird position. But adding that into the Cascade package and siding out like two bean stocks, just having like two beans, one moon, one betrayal, I think was like the, the best plan that I had of beating Tron with uh, a pretty low base because normally, you know, Tron's like dredge, you know, you need to actually devote like seven or eight cards in your sideboard to beat it with this sort of deck. If you actually want to have a reasonable shot. And uh, I, I didn't have those numbers. So this is, this is what I did. Yeah. And listen, I think it has like uh, usage and, you know, you, you can bring it in against amulet Titan, right? I, yes. I think there, there's other matchups where you're going to be able to see it. The, the opportunity cost is low. And I think even if they board the Ulamogs out, like the worst case scenario, you're still hitting a five or six mana creature, right? You're going to get a Golos or a Worm Coil or something. Yeah, I I wonder if if actually hitting a Worm Coil against them is good. Like, I think their best counterplay against you is generally Oblivion Stone, so like it kind of helps there, but it also seems like pretty small ball. Oh, it, it's definitely not ideal. I'm more just saying, like, if that's the floor, that's the disaster scenario, like, that's a pretty reasonable place to be. I, My instinct would be if I betrayal an Ulamog in game two and they're just, like, huffy reaching for their sideboard, that I'm cutting the betrayal. Yeah. I think you that's think, what I'm doing. Like, if, if you're going to play Shardless Agent on turn three, you think you'd rather cascade into a Beanstalk than a Wormcoil engine? I think so. It's close. I mean, it's it's a huge step down from Ulamog, obviously, but is Beanstalk really that much better? Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah. what what if they, they just do some stuff where they like take out their worm coils too, you know? It's like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Like they can go pretty deep. Um, but I I don't actually think they get you too much because you're not we're not investing a crazy amount here, right? 
But no, you're not. But if say you you know shirtless on three and hit basically nothing, uh, it is pretty costly in a matchup where you know in the first five turns the game is all but decided. You know you're just spending like the first turn you actually have mana to cast a reasonable spell, accomplishing nothing. I feel like you're gonna lose. Yeah, and Beanstalk's effectively a divination, right? In in yeah. those games where the gets decided by turn five, but yeah, and then. The other card I added to the sideboard when I was when I was short on cards was Elishnorn. Yeah, fine. Completely reasonable. Uh, honestly, second Teferi has made its way main deck. And so I think instead of the Force and the Time Warp, I have a Teferi and a Murderous Cut because people's overreaction to uh, Omnath and like specifically the Cascade stuff was Elishnorn, especially in mirror matches. And now I'm just respecting that aspect a little bit more. And I think that makes a lot of sense because that card is hard to beat. It It is, but like, I, I, I think it's hard to beat from the way that I had initially built the deck, which is one Teferi, but against spikes like four Teferis or like Tristan had a bunch of like murderous cuts and stuff. I I don't think it's good against the random populace. That, that, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because having three to four Teferi with Bloodbraid Elf gives you a virtual six. Yeah, it gives you a lot. And I don't know, you're, you're also just like drawing a bunch of cards in the meantime and stuff. And uh, I, I did I did beat Elish Norn uh, with the old version of the deck. And I distinctly remember this because it involved time warp, basically. <laughs> it was just like attacking with solitude when I had two fire ices obviously i just have like a million bean stocks at this point too like i've all been very close to like drawing my deck or whatever and so i'm just like attack with solitude and they're just like you know sigh take it attack with solitude sigh take it and then i have an omnath now and now i like attack with both they take it and i time warp and then they have to like block and i finally get to kill it with the two fires you know yeah and it was just like, okay, that was way harder than it should have been. Like, <laughs> if I just had, like, another Teferi in my deck, this would have not been as unreasonable. So, now I think it's a lot easier. Fair. So, Inevitable Betrayal, for sure, a card we need to pick up. If there's a place we're going to be. And then, yeah, I'm with you on getting closer, more Teferis in there. Did I actually get to order the Betrayal? So, I tried to order... Uh, Star City stuff for pickup, but I missed the deadline by 30 minutes because they moved the day forward by one. So let me see. Oh, no, it's in my cart. So, yeah, uh, we we need to find one pretty bad. We need to find a few. Uh, So I get in. I get in on Thursday. Be hanging out with your brother. Jealous. And dude, it's, it's your brother, man. You grew I'm up jealous. with this kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll see if there are any like card stores that are nearby in Austin or whatever and see if I can pick up some of this stuff because the other stuff I was missing was like a lot of black green common zone commons and also just like random rares that Star City didn't have anyway. And yeah, I there's a few stores I think in the vicinity of his house so that should be a reasonable option. Okay, well hopefully they have random garbage because that's what I'm in the market for. Well, I think the good news here is like inevitable trail is MH2, right? So like newer set? Yeah, but I don't know. The, the thing with the local stores is like you never know if they're they're just like oh yeah like we quote unquote have singles but it's just like they have a display case with like a single savannah or whatever that yeah. they had sitting there for yeah. six years and it's yeah. like all right cool yeah we'll see well, t- tell me about 
the the showcase itself and like I don't know I just I want to hear your thoughts because this is like your first time playing with the deck right yeah and I was waffling between playing the cascade version and just playing the normal version and I like didn't have a ton of games with the cascade version but thought it was likely better I like tried to not play it but mana traders was being weird right before the tournament so I, I was fine with it so that was like kind of how my morning started. Snook came over and was sitting next to me playing Scam. I watched him lose his first round in like four minutes. I'm like on turn two. Um, okay. So watching Scam players lose is always fun. Um, I um, honestly, the the rounds I... Snook, Snook yelled at his opponent in chat, of course. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Took it out on them, right? It, it's their fault. Um, but... um. I played against a pretty wide range of decks and like my first three or four rounds all went like pretty late and I played really close games and like the deck just felt awesome. I just felt like these, I played these really long close games, but I always felt one step ahead and I played against, um, I beat Tron in round three, which felt awesome because that was, I, they, they just annihilated me in game one. I got them with the inevitable betrayal in game two. And we played a closer game three where I did the, the, the plan B of getting Alpine Moon early and then landing a crumble to dust. And then even after that, it was a little bit of a slog to beat them still. Yeah. Um, so I, I still feel like that matchup's like pretty freaking bad, despite, you know, we've, we've been committed quite a few cards. And I, I don't feel like the Charmas or other things people are doing are really like game changers in that. That didn't make a ton of sense to me. No, you need a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Spike has four. Which is well, which is fine, but like I think you need more on top of that. I, I like I you agree. Need, you need you need like Alpine Moon into Charmaw or like Cleansing Wildfire into Charmaw. Yeah. So like I'm not really convinced or sure if you get four slots if an Alpine Moon, an inevitable betrayal, and two crumble to dust is even better than is is I think that's better than four charm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and they also have like other versatility, right? Like Alpine Moon and Inevitable Betrayal are going to be good cards against Urza Saga decks or, you know, Amulet Titan or um, things past just Tron. Yeah. Where I mean, Charma might be fine, but not exactly where you want to be. Right. And for a while, uh, when when Spike started streaming the deck, like three of his four losses were to like Red Green Balakut. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, okay, like, I, I guess you could, like, inevitable betrayal that deck. You know, that seems fine. And we have Leyline of Sanctity, too, so. Alpine Moon seems quite a bit better than Charma there as well. Yeah. Right? So I, I think there's a lot of things to that. I think there's a lot of opportunity to get more creative with the sideboards. I do, too. And th this was just, like, you know, off-the-cuff stuff that I did. This wasn't even me necessarily like going super deep on it or whatever. And I'm sure that there's like a lot more that we could do that could be beneficial, but I was just like, yeah, if I want to solve what are the bad matchups. What are the cards that like overlap against them the most? And how can I kind of condense these sideboard slots and, you know, yeah. I feel like I got to a reasonable place, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best solution. Yeah. So I beat a scam opponent in there. I beat a Yawgmoth deck. Um, and then I'm like four or five and zero, oh, and I get paired against Tristan and just get, he, we end up going and playing a closer three game set, but that was the matchup where it was the first time where I felt like I was a turn behind at all points. And even the game I won, I felt like I stole it from him. Okay. Um, well, 
you you got your Narset commandeered in the matchup where Narset is kind of backbreaking. So yeah, and, was- and and he already had a beanstalk in play too, so it was only only down two cards with the commandeer. It's like uh. Well, and the Narset was supposed to counter the Beanstalk. So right. it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of irony there. You're, you're um, roughly down 50 cards, even though they cast Commandeer. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then I lost another close three-game match to Yawgmoth that I definitely feel like if I was playing at my best, I could have won. I made a couple of sloppy mistakes with the one that is very memorable was um, with a fury and I stacked my triggers in the wrong order um, against that silly artifact. Agatha soul cauldron. Yeah. Soul cauldron. So I'm tanking. I probably tanked for like three or four minutes about how to fury against the soul cauldron. And I finally decide how I'm going to do it. And I put, the, there's no other creatures in the graveyards yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I stacked the triggers in the wrong order and I just immediately lost. Uh so um, a little sloppy, right? And I think like uh, for whatever it's worth, like I'm old and slow and um, sloppy in general as a player. Like I, I make a lot of mistakes that I see immediately. And I, that's part of the reason why I try to play a little slow. Um, and it, it was noticeable for me moving from creativity to this on just like fetching my lands and like a lot of these like play patterns that I like could do on autopilot with creativity that I can't do with this. Yeah, I, I felt the exact same when I switched from Omnath to Creativity, where I was like, oh, brain's a little rusty. Uh, autopilot just does not work. It is not functioning currently because I have no reps with this deck, you know? So yep. I get it. Yep. There was multiple times where I was sacking a Misty Rainforest looking for my Sacred Foundry. Yes. And it took me way longer to let you know. Like, I thought Moto was broken. I relogged. And I was like, oh, nope. That's just not how that works. Yeah. So. I, I think I do that like once a tournament where I like go to fetch and then either while I am fetching or I think the most recent time I did it, I put the land into play and then immediately took it back. I was like, that's not legal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that's actually the biggest tier I have of playing a deck like this in real life is not actually making the mistake, but it's like making the mistake and not realizing it for a turn or two and cheating. Yeah. Well, cheating implies intent, but yes. Sure. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you getting an unfair advantage and like that would just make me feel even worse than the, the situation in the first place. So um, there's a healthy amount of anxiety there. And I think we can get, we'll get to standard too, but my general uh, take on both of these formats is that like comfort picks matter a lot. And I know people say that a lot and a lot of formats are like that, but like I am just like buying that theory more and more. Um, and I think being comfortable with what you're doing and sequencing is just like really, really important, probably more important than playing whatever the quote unquote best deck for the weekend is. Well, whenever someone says that, I feel the need to push back and say that assuming that you do not have the bandwidth to spend to get comfortable with what is the best deck, then yes, I agree with you. Yeah. But there is the caveat there. Yep. And I don't. And uh, what I will also add to is magic for me is two things. Like one, it's like this. I, 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 I like to focus on playing and trying to get better. So like sometimes when I'm playing magic, I'm working. I'm, I'm trying to improve. I'm trying to learn. And other times it's just like a leisurely activity where I might be playing, but I'm not like focused on trying to improve. And those two things are those two states for me are very different. Yeah. And like a lot of the times, even if I might have the time, I might not have like the mental capacity. Maybe I'm a little sick. Maybe I'm a little burnt out. Maybe I just like need more rest and relaxation. And like, that's going to be more leisurely magic for me. 
And I can still learn some and get comfortable with like different formats, but I'm not going to get really good at like how to sequence my lands really well when I'm doing that. Yep. So, so, so then you were like five and two in the yeah, showcase. Yeah, dropped. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was wondering about that because I saw like Sp- Spike had dropped at that point. I think everyone was out. Um, but I had seen like Tristan's screenshot of the top eight. And you were like nowhere close to it. You stopped updating me and whatnot. So I was like, I don't know if you just dropped yeah. or. So I had friends over the house, right? So we played more games in real life and just kind of messed around. So that was kind of like where we went there. Okay. But uh, listen, man, playing a, uh, a big Magic Online event, like with multiple people in the same house, this was the first time I had done that in like four or five years. That's fun. It is fun. Um, and like, and people, like, people will say, oh, it's like not fair. You're getting like an advantage by having your friends with you. And it's just like, oh, no, no, nope. no, it's. It's imagine you sitting down trying to play a match of magic in a tournament and you just have two people screaming in your ear while you're doing it. Oh, whenever the games get close, I I tell them to shut up. Yeah. I'm like, stop talking. I'll talk to you after. Yeah. I, I won, I won a mox like a million years ago and, uh, I, I did it while we were at like Virginia beach for Todd Anderson's birthday or whatever. And, Someone had posted a picture on Twitter with like, you know, Brad and Tom Ross being there or whatever. And it's like, oh, it must be nice. I was like, you don't realize that everyone there was drunk except me. Yeah. And it is not an advantage. It's a They're just like screaming asinine shit the whole time. I was I was playing on hard mode. You don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. I'm I'm glad you got to do that. I'm glad it was fun. Yeah. Um, and it's something that like, listen, playing big magic online events is, um, more fun than I remembered and something that I'm looking forward to being able to do more in the future. I, I found out pretty late that the showcase thing was happening. I was like, Oh, cool. Let's go. And then I was like, um, I have 18 QPs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I should, I, I gotta start playing prelims or something, you know? No, I gotta, I gotta stack them. The ch- I enjoy the challenges too. So like there's two 7 a.m. challenges for me and like my normal routine, I'm just like up at 6.30. And so I do a lot of Saturday, Sunday spontaneous challenges. And like th- those are kind of fun because by 10 or 11, like, you know, the rest of the family or people have woken up and I'm either 3-0 and and say I'm playing magic for the next few hours or I'm dead. And it's like I never even did at all. Yeah. And it feels kind of win-win from my perspective. No, uh, trust me, man. Like the last three weekends I've looked at the challenge schedule and it's just like with how awkward my sleep schedule is and everything it's just like if i know that i'm not going to make it through the whole tournament i'm not going to play and then there was some stuff where i was like all right i'm awake the only challenge firing uh it's limited okay whatever i'll go and then there's like three people in it and just doesn't fire it's like god damn it yeah i don't even fully get the limited ones because they don't even have a top eight yeah whatever i'm fine with that Oh, that takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. Yeah, I don't know. It, you just play a bunch of rounds of sealed, and it's fine. Don't need to draft on top of it. It's yeah, cool. I don't actually know why, but for for some reason, that takes a lot of the appeal out of it for me. I I kind of get it, but I'm not looking to like oh win this tournament or whatever. It's just like I am playing in this. It's just a big prelim, effectively at that point to like get QPs. Yeah, that's fair. If you're yeah, it's a means to an end at that point. Right. Yeah, because at this point I've I've stopped playing limited on Arena. I mean, before the podcast started, I did a <laughs> Shadows remaster draft, but like I don't even know if I'm if I'm going to play any of those games. There's you know? no way you are. 
Yeah. Uh so that that is my limited experience at this point. I am I'm out of all the queues. The you know, mythic rating has reset. I'm back into platinum and there's no reason for me to keep playing, so whatever. But we do have a mythic qualifier this weekend. We do. Um, I am queued and you are queued after LCQing. And uh, we're going to be playing on our phones in between rounds, I guess. Yeah, hopefully. If we're playing well, in between rounds, that's a good thing because that means we're still in the tournament. Yeah, or or we're not in the tournament, you know? It's like your, your Saturday morning experience. It's like... Yeah. Whatever. If, if, I, if I die, uh, then I'm playing the arena thing. It's like the modern thing never happened. It's fine. Yeah, it's weird. This a lot of these um, arena mythic qualifiers or whatever. I was I, I somewhat look forward to constructed ones here and there, but like this is one I weirdly wish was limited because this the standard format's kind of like stale at this point, right? Is it? I mean, when I say stale, I mean like another set's going to come out like not too far from now, and yeah. there's not really any events between now and then. So like investing time into learning the format would be like exclusively for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, th- thankfully we get to double dip because we're also in Dallas for, you know, standard 10K. Right? 100%. But so, basically nobody else on the planet cares about standard. Yes. Yeah, which is, it is kind of weird. I agree with that. But as far as like the format being stale, I I don't agree with that because normally it's like, oh, Pro Tour happens, here are some initial decks, but then the format by the end usually looks pretty different, uh, at least when there are like, Grand Prix and SCGs and things that you can play in, but we don't have those. And especially for standard, there's no reason to keep that format moving, you know? So yeah. uh, I, I think that the format has really not evolved much since the Pro Tour. And there is probably a lot of work to be done, but. Well, that we could have, be done. That it. won't be done. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You sent me a screenshot for some of your standard testing. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> the, the three blind mice thing? Yeah, well, uh, there's more than three. Well, yeah, there, I think there are like 17 of them or something <laughs> yeah. in play. Yeah. Okay, so do you know how this happened? No. Okay, so my my opponent was like blue-white, kind of like usual suspects where it's like, oh, you know, play a virtue, make a knight, and play a wedding announcement or whatever, and I'm just like, all right, and then they play like a random green land, and I'm just like, what the hell is that for, right? They play like a three blind mice. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, why is that in your deck? Like, I guess it makes tokens. Sure, whatever. And at some point, uh, how the first game goes is, like, they play Blind Mice, and I'm, like, killing all their stuff. So they just, like, never get to make a a token copy off of this thing. And I'm just like, oh, terrible card. What a joke, right? (laughs) And at some point, they play the completed Tomio, which... For the minus is like exile a permanent in your graveyard, make a token of it, and then they just start blind micing their blind mice. Whoa. And it it took like 10 turns, but I eventually died. <laughs> yeah. So the screenshot you sent me has four of them on two counters, seven of them on one counter, and three of them on three counters. Yeah, it was a lot. I had a screenshot before that when they had like five in play. I thought it was funny. <laughs> And then it was like two turns later, I was just like, okay, no, I got to retake the screenshot because this is obviously more ridiculous. Yeah, they got a lot of them. So kudos to my opponent. Like that, that is a cool interaction. Uh, I, I don't know if like copying blind mice is the most powerful thing that you could do, but certainly you can 
Tamiyo, the blind mice and something else and like blind mice, whatever the something else is. I don't know. But yeah, it feels like you're playing with fire a little bit, too, because there's a non-zero chance arena just crashes when you do this. That's true. It did not. We yeah, eventually they attacked me for 40. I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. Go next. But uh, I did win that match for what it's worth, but my deck has like a lot of shit for, I don't know, killing X1s and enchantments. So lucky me. Have we uh, deviated from Black Green Adventures at all, or is that where we stayed focused? So I've I've basically been working on that. I've looked at some other stuff, but nothing that seems super promising and started trying out some some weirdo cards that ended up being pretty good so uh i have Huntmaster's redemption in the three drop slot which is the green uh saga that makes a three three then you can sack a creature to tutor for a creature and then the last one is gives up to two creatures plus two plus two and trample and it it doesn't seem that good but it is actually quite good. And this is for a card where like you you very rarely use the chapter two. But just make a three three and then converting that into four damage or more, because like Glissa and Shieldred have death touch, you know, and like the trample on all your creatures that are like three power already ends up being more than four damage too. So yeah. uh that and then yeah, occasionally you get to tutor for like Night Clubber is what I have in, in my sideboard now to beat up on soldiers or you know three blind mice i guess but does it tutor for anything or only a creature only creature got it sack a creature tutor for a creature uh yeah it's just it's more more aggressive and i've i've found that to be quite good so uh i've i've liked that i tried some other weird stuff i'm i'm on a different sideboard plan than i was last time for the rampy decks you and i played a match uh, before we recorded this and I got my ass kicked, but like basically instead of doing rampy stuff into Breach of the Multiverse, I'm just killing their attracts and casting Cruelty of Gix, and that has been way better. And since I'm not ramping anymore, I was like, well, let me try cutting these tortoises and play Archfiend of Dross, which I'm still, I'm not sold on or anything, but I was like, I'll try it. Yeah. The tortoise impressed me in the few games I did play with Black Green in general, but no, it's it's good. It's just way better when you're uh, looking to build towards something bigger, right? But you know, even if that thing is like, oh, activate my two creature lands, like obviously that's good too. Yeah, but I was like, I don't know, let's try six six, and then I got to like you cut the one double green card in the deck, and then I got to move one of the forests over to a swamp, and. Kind of like that a little bit more when I have more one drops than most people like cut down to rest type of stuff. So makes a lot of sense. Yeah, bunch of bunch of small stuff, but I'm I'm liking where it is. And then I had a thought about ramp, which I knew that you would get behind, which is uh shaving some of the early game kind of like card advantage stuff and trying to figure out how to play some shadow prophecies. Which you don't have to twist my arm. Yeah, I I knew I wouldn't, even if it's bad. But I I legit think it's like pretty good. Listen, bad or fun is acceptable, right? Yeah. So I'll take it. Um, and there's certainly some matchups where it's going to be great, and it always frustrated me when, um, not being able to play on my opponent's turn hardly at all is um, not a fun place to be. So, 
No, it's it's not, but it really doesn't matter all that much in this deck, you know? No, yeah, most of those games I ended up doing pretty well anyway. But like when I'm like, hey, I don't have a ton of threats and I'm a little land heavy and I just want to make their make disappears not matter. If I did, if I don't draw my Mirex or something, like having some literally anything to do on their turn would just be nice. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And this is certainly one of the best possible things that you could have in that slot. But I don't know, against those matchups, you're just like, oh, I just got to keep jamming my six mana sorceries into their miscalculations and yeah. hope that eventually they run out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm more saying, hey, the games where I might only have one or two of them, like that doesn't feel as as good. But I guess that's not really, th- this is going to be in those same slots to begin with. So maybe that's not actually something that will come up. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll test that. Like, so you 6 0 the qualifier with the ramp deck. Uh, I, I think that that is your front runner, correct? Yeah. And like, listen, the life's been busy for me the last few weeks and the distractions of all of the developments in modern have certainly occupied most of my attention. So both the combination of a deck that I have the cards for already and something that I have games with is a little bit appealing, especially in a two format weekend. Yeah. And if I wanted to play black green, I'd be talking about trying to get 10 or 20 more rounds under my belt, as well as trying to acquire 30 cards, which sounds pretty stressful fair um okay so remind me to come back to ramp if i forget but uh one thing that i want to bring to your attention because i just noticed this a little bit ago and we talked about it before where uh we didn't know if these events were going to be like cut to top eight and then play the top eight the next day okay but then if you look at the pittsburgh format announcement so we also talked about this before, where it was like they changed a 20K and a 5K to now there's two 10Ks. So like 5K is just inexplicably gone missing. Now, so for Pittsburgh, it's a 5K, a 10K, and a 5K, right? Or there's two 5Ks actually. Okay. On Sunday. So is it four or 5Ks? I think that might be it, but whatever. Um, So that that's another change that's happening. So again, they, they are continuing to try new different things, which is cool. Um, money may or may not be leaving the overall prize pool, but whatever. Um, Any amount of new stuff is good. Whatever. But but for the Saturday, uh, whatever K it is in Pittsburgh, in the announcement stuff, it says cut to top eight. Top eight will be played on Sunday. So then I went back to Dallas to see if that text had like changed or whatever. It hasn't. So I don't know if if they just like didn't add it there and then they're like, oh, we should probably clarify for this one. Um, so it is it still don't know for sure, but it is interesting that at least like now going forward, we will know probably. Yeah. And I would guess that like, there's probably some amount of unknown on their side too, of just like nine or 10 rounds. Right. I guess it's pretty hard to get to 10. Eight, uh, eight yeah. Or nine. yeah. I mean, I, I would say that like 11 is absolutely shooting the moon. Like it's, it's very unlikely, but that did happen to old school opens back in the day. Yeah, I think to get to nine, you need 400 people, right? Yeah. I think it's 410. I mean, if if a place in the U.S. could do it at this point, it would be Dallas, Texas, probably. That's fair. fair. I don't know if it's standard for whatever that's worth. Well, the modern one is first. It is? It is. No way. I believe it is. No. Challenge flag. Checking, checking. Wait, it lists them first. 
No, you're right. It is standard first. They they list modern is on the left on the thing. Yeah. So this is actually how I remember this is because yeah, I yeah. was, yeah, we had this exact conversation flipped about a month ago. Yes. Yeah. Illogical. Whoever made the graphic, okay. whoever need, whoever made the graphic, there's a problem. Well, it's possible they could have switched it too. Oh, potentially. Sure. And I don't know why they would have done that because, I don't know, so most of these events, you want like the headliner to be the one that is going to get the most people, right? And I think most more people want to play modern now than they want to play standard. Yes. So I, I I don't know why modern is on Sunday and standard is on Saturday. To me, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe like the Saturday events, the freebie to get everyone and the Sunday event is usually where people debate whether or not to play. No, it's like, oh, I'm definitely going to show up for Saturday. But like, I don't know, even for you, for example, it's just like maybe you have to fly home on Sunday. You know, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, if I have to fly home on Sunday because I have to work on Monday, then, in a, you know, modern is the one I want to play, but I won't even get to play in modern. I just won't go at all. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting for sure. It's very unusual to have two events with the same prize pool like this. I don't think that's happened since going way back to the Star Cities that were always just standard legacy. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's why they always did like standard or whatever first and then legacy on Sundays because legacy was like half the size of the, the Saturday tournament always. Yeah. And, like, obviously, there's a lot of other stuff going on there, but like, you know, they, they knew that there was going to be fewer people for legacy and fewer people on Sunday. So you might as well have that not completely cannibalize your event. Yeah. Legacy folks are an interesting bunch, too. They could probably have the legacy event on like a Thursday and people yeah. still show up. Oh no, they like they would take the time off. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like the one time a year that they get to play legacy. So Yeah. The one time and, that they used to. Right. And in Pittsburgh, there is a legacy 5K on Sunday. There's like a, a I think it's a modern and a legacy. And it's like, oh shit, I actually have to choose which one I want to play. Yeah, that you just uh, kind of tempted me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I should check though because they said they were not doing legacy as RCQs anymore. I wonder if that that one qualifies. Yeah, they're not allowed to. I don't think. Yeah, but like uh, I don't know. In theory, you're not supposed to be running things on pre-release weekend either. But you know. All right. So Friday, Modern Five K. It is an RCQ. Okay, Saturdays is a ten K. Uh, also RCQ. Sunday, Modern 5K, RCQ. Legacy 5K, not an RCQ. Bullshit. Huh. Weird. I bullshit. mean, I, I guess that's just a rule, but... It, it is a rule, but it's a bullshit rule. It is a bullshit rule. I just, I can't really see, like, what the winner is. Was it the team events that they wanted to take these away from? Like, what? what's the logic here? I could see a world where they wanted to incentivize modern standard pioneer as the yes, team formats. You're right. They, they wanted to bring standard back. That makes sense. But I think again, magic was in a better place when you could queue for the PT with like vintage cube and popper. Straight you just, up. You can reach out to an audience that might not normally play. Yeah. And there were so many stories like that. It's like, Oh, this person qualified with popper poppers. The only thing they played for the last 25 years or whatever. And now they have to learn how to play modern. Are they going to be able to do it? You know? Yeah. And it's not like, like they're giving away 50 invites like this, right? Like no one's complaining about it. I know. It does simplify things. It does make things easier. 
Well, I, I I do agree with the like, hey, the regular local store RCQs should be like consistent formats. Yeah, that makes sense. But like when you run some of these bigger events, not allowing them to have like a one, like if you win a hundred plus person legacy event, like you, the winner of that tournament should qualify for the RC. Yeah, I I think once you're running a five k Magic tournament, I don't care what the format is, let them let them qualify. Yeah, I agree. For the CEDH events that they run let them qualify let them qualify i agree it's not like they're qualifying for another qualifier too right yeah it's we're not, not like, talking about the world championships here right yeah you're not going straight to the pro tour or straight to worlds anything like that like who cares yeah couldn't agree more but here we are and i think nrg ran an event over the weekend that was a team event i think it was just triple modern it was yeah yeah because they were just like screw that we're not doing standard yeah <laughs> <laughs> And again, like they they would have had fewer teams, right? Because for however many triple modern teams they had, it's like, would you have had that many people that want to play standard? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, listen, if we went, we would all be drawing straws to see who had who got stuck playing standard. Yeah, yeah. It's, for- it just it's funny. It like screws the person for like the rest of the RCQ seasons and stuff too. It's like you get less experience, less testing. You know? Yeah, it's funny. But anyway, back to back to rampy stuff. I could be convinced to to change sides here, especially if we, you know, find like a good list, something that's like a little smoother, a little bit more consistent. Because when I was playing before, it was like, all right, you know, clunky mana. Everyone's playing twenty five land. I don't think that's right. Now, basically, everyone's playing like twenty six. So good change. Um, and then if you didn't draw. Topiary Stomper deck seemed like kind of bad to me, uh, but maybe if we can uh, smooth that out a little bit, get some Shadow Prophecy action in there, and yeah, just make it a little bit better. Like yeah, yeah, I'll play it. whatever. I'll say like I've played a pretty good amount of the ramp deck, and a lot of that, like I was saying before, in my leisurely Magic activities, I was just enjoying it. Um, so if I was gonna like you know randomly play a few games on my phone in the morning or at night, like playing a few games of ramp was fun yeah um and i started winning a lot more when i started mulliganing a lot more yes and that was like the important realization that i had if there if there's an evergreen statement on this episode it should be that yeah and i think with like listen i go back from the days of like where ramp decks used to be like you needed a lot of material to win the game so like mulliganing was particularly punishing and that just isn't the case with these decks. No, I mean, you need it to a point, right? It's like you need to be able to like make your land drops for a few turns and stuff. But like you definitely don't need like all the Archangels and Atraxas and Herd Migrations at the top end and stuff, right? It's like usually just one is good, man. You know? Yeah. You just need to stick one. And the deck has like surprising, like if you don't draw Triomes and you draw a few basics, like... You have the surprising issue casting your spells. Yeah. So, um, I I don't know if Willie was on to something with the full four briefcase. That card hasn't been the best for me, but I get the appeal of it because in the draws where you don't have Stomper or a battle to kind of smooth things out, like sometimes just casting your spells is hard. Yeah. But well, and I, I did say that I liked the idea of it for like smoothing out the draws, but just like maybe like for what briefcase did, like helping you smooth out your draws. But I, maybe there is a better option. Maybe there's a better way to build the deck. 
Yeah, and I'm 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 down. I'm definitely down to try the prophecy. Um, yeah, it's interesting. But I I think since I'm I'm pretty good on modern and pretty good on standard as far as like green black is concerned, and I can I can just make eyeball changes at this point. I've played enough games. I have enough reps. There's definitely diminishing returns that I can just start working on ramp now and try and experiment with some more off-the-wall stuff and see if I come up with anything. Yeah. If not, I'll just go back to green black and you can just play like the deck that you won your qualifier with and it'll be fine. Yeah, I feel reasonable about the main deck. I think the sideboard, like, listen, there's you can go all over the place and that's where things really go off the rails for a lot of these folks. Um, yeah. Willie especially, his list is just crazy, but um, how good is it? What What's the delta between those things? I'm not really sure. Man, no one is. Yeah. Like, can you imagine the range of decks we are going to play against in this event? Yeah. I guarantee, I guarantee it's going to be a lot of nonsense. And I kind of like that. That makes, that makes me more excited just hearing you say that. Yeah. It, it is kind of nice. And it especially makes me want to lean a little bit more towards ramp because I think that you're overall insulated better against nonsense. But, I do worry that there's just going to be like, I don't know, maybe like more hard control decks than we expected or whatever, because we just never play against them really. But it's just, people are just like, oh, I, I own these cards or whatever. And I like, dude, also like, I think the Beanstalk hype is going to be real. So like, if I told you that, like, what's the best for Beanstalk for Leyline Binding deck in standard, I don't think that's an unreasonable place to start or try to be. And you're, at that point, you're probably just like Greg Orange. Yeah. But I, I do think that's like a, if I had to pick a deck or a certain archetype that I thought was going to be like trending up and more represented than maybe it should be, that's definitely a place that my head would jump. And Texas used to be known for many, Earn. many mono red mages. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being there last year and it being Hammer City. Yeah. So they just like killing people. Yep. Yeah. That, that That's the thing is like, it has changed a little bit. It is no longer like burn or whatever. Now they're like sophisticated people with like death shadows and, and Colossus hammers or whatever, yeah. but it's like, it is the same shit. So yeah, they're still just trying to kill you as fast as possible. Yeah. 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 So it, It'll be weird. It'll be interesting. Uh, have not, have not gotten to do this in a while where it's like you travel around the country and get like the local sampling of, of each, you know, like how how many locals or like semi-local people are at all of these events, right? And it's just like you're not playing against the same group of people as you are in like Columbus versus Dallas versus Pittsburgh or whatever, right? It's like half the field is or over half the field is different each time, right? Yeah, so. especially these days where like the amount of people that are traveling out of state for these things is like so much less than it used to be. Right. Like before you'd have like a group of like 20 or 30 ringers that would be at all of them. And that just isn't the case anymore. No. So yeah, it's, it's going to be super weird. It's entirely possible that it's like, oh, I did all my testing on like Arena and Moto and then you go to Dallas and you're like, what the shit is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're never going to guess how many three blind mice my opponent has. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, stuff like that happens to me on Arena and I'm just like, good to know. Yeah. Oh God, I really hope I play against three blind mice. And you're just like, I know what you're up to. And they're, yeah. just, like, yeah. they're just like, how? How could you possibly know? Yeah. Yeah, man, cool. I think that's I think that's it. I think that's all I got. 
I'm excited, man. It's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah. I'm, Two I'm formats is a lot, for that man. Aspect. Two What's formats up? is a lot. It is. I, dude, I used to do this every week. Yeah, well, it was your job. Uh, it's still kind of my job. And also, that makes it easier too, right? Because you're you're like, you got the rhythm of it all. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I feel like both of these two formats have enough things to be explored in the current state that like we could have put a whole bunch more time into either one of them. Oh, always. Yeah. Dude, there's always that aspect of it. There, there were times where like I would go maybe like three or four weeks basically playing the same deck and then just like, not putting in a, a ton of time, you know, fixing it because it's like, oh, maybe I'm working on something else. I have to work on this other format because it keeps changing or whatever, right? So that's where all my time is. And then at the end of the month, it's just like, oh, I've just been like doing this one thing like very badly this entire time and I just never realized it, you know? Yeah. So then, you, you could always spend more time, always. Yeah. Beanstalks and Leyline Bindings in all formats. It's where I'm at. Yeah. God, just stuff like that just makes me think of the old invitationals where it was like four rounds of standard, four rounds of legacy, and then in between I would be like re-sleeving my Stoneforge Mystics and like batter skulls and shit into like from standard into legacy or whatever. Yep. Yep. Very relatable. Same thing. I accidentally uh did order eight beanstalks though. So Oh, that's actually really good. I'll take I'll take the extra four. Do you need them? Well, I, I don't want then I won't have to re-sleeve them. Oh, okay. But. Well, yeah, you, you can actually just have them. I don't need them. <laughs> if, they, if they went up to like 20 or something, I'd be like, yeah, maybe you I'll can have them back. Them. I'll let you spec on them. No, it's fine. They're they're four dollars and I, I don't care. Are they four dollars? Yeah. Wow. Four dollar uncommons, man. Oh, dude, uh, there was there was something else that I went to buy that was just out. Oh, Shieldred's Edict is five dollars. Yeah, see, so like when it's in an older set and it doesn't like pop off until after it's like out of print, like it makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, I agree. But when it's the current set, like it's just surprising. Well, the current set also has uh, like Soul Cauldron and nothing else. So yeah, that's fair. Not very many good money rares, but Soul Cauldron's yeah. a good one for whatever that's worth. No, it is. It that card's is. the real deal. All right, man. Anything else? I'm good. I'm excited. I'll see you this weekend. Me too. Game. Game, game, game. Good luck.